they say there's no two people on earth exactly the same. No two faces, no two sets of fingerprints. But do they know that for sure? Because they would have to get everybody together in one huge space. <laughs> and obviously that's not possible, even with computers. But not only that, they'd have to get all the people who ever lived, not just the ones now. So they got no proof. They got nothing. Thank you, Christopher. Very enlightening. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. We are here discussing Soprano Season 3, Episode 2, Proshai Lavushka. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and oh gosh, it's a sad one. It's a sad episode, I guess. You know, I'm glad she's dead, but it's still sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is Now I know what you meant when you said like the first two episodes of this season were going to be a bit special, because they certainly have been. Yes, yes. Here we are. This episode was written by David Chase, who we know as the, the creator, the one who birthed it all for us. And directed by Tim Van Patten, which is a name we've heard before, and we will hear again. So some mainstays with the Sopranos. And yes, a pretty big deal, uh, pretty big deal episode. Now, I, I was going to ask you this beforehand, but it would have been kind of a spoiler, so I didn't bother asking. Uh, mm -hmm. But I assume you weren't aware of any type of real-life repercussions that uh, happened for the show. I mean, I, I, I figured it out. Yeah. Like, I know this is not what they wanted to do, clearly. Um, and also, I mean, also spoiler for later in the episode, but even before she passed away, I made a note of like, she looks like fucking Yoda in <laughs> season, in like the new, the new old Star Wars, the old new Star Wars. She looks not real. She's computer generated, but I still didn't put it together. I was like, that's weird. Why, why did they do that? <laughs> but then clearly she died. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, Nancy Marchand uh, suffered from both lung cancer and emphysema. Died on June 18th, 2000 in Connecticut, one day before her 72nd birthday. Character's death was written into the third season storyline of The Sopranos. Um, oh, I guess her husband of 48 years, actor Paul Sparer, had died the previous year also from cancer. Yikes. Mm. Uh, and she was posthumously inducted in the American Theater Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, for reading up on it, because I always wondered what, I mean, clearly this thing with the airline tickets was something that was going to play out a bit more. Um, yeah. Some of the notes here, what was I reading? Um, yeah, David Chase had planned a major storyline for the third season concerning Tony's efforts to patch things up with his mother to prevent her from testifying against him at the RICO trial. Um, and then, of course, obviously her real-life death uh, threw a monkey wrench into that system. And, uh, yeah, the idea of Livia being made to testify is also mentioned at the FBI meeting in the previous episode, Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood. Uh, but it's weird. It's interesting because, um, like, where the Sopranos, so this is the beginning of season three. Uh, we know it goes on to basically seven seasons, 6A and 6B. But uh, clearly... Livia Soprano was going to be a big part of, I believe, not just season three, but the show as a whole. And yeah. uh, it's almost like, 
if you know uh, the that actress Lorraine Bracco who plays Melfi just died, and they were like, we can't get him a new psychiatrist. Let's just rewrite the whole show. Uh, well, yeah, or it's even worse. It's like if Tyrion Lannister died in season one of Game of Thrones, and it's like, well, you know, what are we gonna do now? Who cares? Um, the well, they just recast him. They just yeah. like re- they just recast people for fun on yeah, Game of Thrones do. anyway. And they could have done that here, but I'm I'm glad they didn't because that would that would have been dumb. Um, I agree. But at the same time, this episode isn't. Um, I mean, the clip from the beginning is great, but in general, this episode feels as disjointed and weird as the previous one, which we talked a lot about a lot, that it was a bit strange and a bit different. This one, there's other stuff in the episode as well that I thought, like, uh, didn't really match the tone of what The Sopranos usually does. Um, who am I to say that if David Chase wrote it? But, it, like, if we go back to the start of it, there's an explosion, a truck explodes, that's all well and good. Then we see a newspaper um, and, uh, you know, telling the tale of this exploded truck. And then we see Tony on the floor with something red that looks like blood. I already know that's not blood because of the way I don't. It's not going to be blood. OK, I already know that. I, I know that's not what this is. And then they do a rewind that really felt weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> that did not feel like The Sopranos to me. I don't know. What did you think? It, it's a it is a weird choice. Um Every now and then, and I mean, it's kind of popped up similar things in like the first season and the second season as well, where they kind of make these bizarre choices. Uh, not to say that they don't work, it just kind of seems like it comes out of nowhere. And yeah, it it's this kind of connection to then Meadows rewinding the movie, The Public Enemy, but not in a way that you would even, even for you kids out there that don't have VHS these days, you didn't just wa- like have a movie playing while you were rewinding it, like because you were rewinding the tape or whatever. You yeah. you know you stop it and then you hit rewind and then it just rewinds on its own. So yeah, it's like this weird connection. And then I mean I um I mean I guess I like the they're trying to go for this weird implication of like first yeah we see that this garbage firebomb goes off and there is a it's while written on the back of the. Garbage truck, uh, that is an Opie and Anthony reference for any of the East Coasters out there. This was back really? in their heyday. Yeah, you used to put wow on the back of your trucks, and that was it, women were supposed to see it and then flash you on the highway. Uh, whip them out Wednesday is what it was. Uh, okay. So, yeah, so the garbage firebomb goes off. Then we see the newspaper headline, and then we see Tony out. And you could almost first be like, oh, no. Is, you know, Tony, did they take him out? And then it's like, oh, no, did Tony have an anxiety attack because of all this stress with the mob? And then the reveal is, I mean, I guess it's partially that, but then it's also the... uh, He was so racist (laughs) that he passed out, (laughs) basically. Yeah, the fact that he saw his daughter with a a black man who's like, don't take this the wrong way, but he's very light-skinned black, you know? So it's even like, even just that... Tony can't get past it. You know what I mean? Well, he, he calls him a, a Moulignan, yes. which is this Italian-type slang. I don't know what it, where it's from, but it's it's for a mixed person, right? That's what I believe it's for. I think um, Moulignan is just Italian for black people in general, but I don't know okay. because uh, uh, I think they mention it when they're dealing with the rapper in season one. I believe they say Moulignan as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So he's so, like we said, he's so racist that he passes out, but also, like, I never believed that he was, like, had been shot in the head and they shoot it with, like, the red stuff by his head to make it seem like he's, you know... Yeah. What is that, jam or ketchup? Who gives a shit? And I never believed that, so there's no real tension in this scene. The the rewind is an odd choice and it goes on for about 20, 30 seconds, uh, so it's not like it's a quick flash or anything. Um... But yes, he he really talks a lot of shit here, and it's moments like this where it's like Tony, come on. <laughs> I mean, <it's>, Tony. <laughs> I it, they they really go for it, and especially now. I mean, if we want to relate it into 2018, like you wouldn't be able to do that. I feel like n- with your main character. Um, yeah, I mean, not to say. I, I mean, I'm not saying like you know, right or wrong. It just it's a weird thing to throw in uh but still kind of have the audience go with your character and race is kind of a little bit more of a i mean it's always a touchy subject obviously but it it feels like it'd be a bigger deal and yeah it's very casual and in a way like that's what's more that's why it's so uh why it works so well also because it's kind of like uh, it's it's even challenging for you if you're watching and you're like, oh, I like this guy. What's going on? Uh, real quick look up. I don't know how true this is, but the common term muli is shortened from melanzana, which means eggplant in Italian. Uh, Moulignan is also a combination of muli and hooligan. The reason muli is referred to blacks is because the skin color of eggplant is black. Because he, I think he does say something about eggplant. To, oh yeah, uh, that made no sense to me. I guess yeah. that adds up now. <laughs> he does say something like that to to Noah, and I think he also says something charcoal briquette. And I guess what that's another pl- black thing. I guess that's like how simple okay. it is. It's just how because char- he's like charcoal briquette. Uh, but yeah, it's such a casual, offhand thing, and and even to Tony, he's he's uh, putting it in the context of like he thinks he's not racist or not bad because he's like, look, I have associates that are black and they don't want my son dating their daughters. And I don't want their sons dating my daughters, you know, separate, but equal. It's this weird, uh, rationale that he has. And it's such an interesting thing to throw in, um, kind of out of nowhere. And yes, and and I guess in the larger context of what's going on, where we start getting into these garbage wars and, uh, deal Tony dealing with the passing of his mother. Yeah, and it's really not super connected to the rest of the episode. I mean, yeah. the the movie shows up again, but this uh, makes it seem like this character is going to come back because it would be weird to just have this part in it when it's not actually... The fact that he passes out here is not even important to the episode. It's not like in the past where he's had to get a kick like that to get back to Melfi or something like that. Uh, now this is just where it starts, and then it feels like the episode doesn't really start until a bit later when he shows up to his mother's place and i did write before i realized it was a yoda situation i did write that uh it felt like a real flashback to season one because i was like what he's going over to the house now and he's bringing stuff and he's even saying similar lines to what he said in season one and then like as i realized afterwards they're like reusing footage and lines that livia had in the past uh, so that's why that whole conversation felt so much like a flashback because they're like literally reusing it. Well, and plus it's just jarring anyways, where we left yeah. off, even though the end of season two, he did have kind of a showdown with Livy in a way and did have to speak to her here and there. 
yes, this is all of a sudden he's showing up with like groceries or whatever. And I guess he does mention, I think in the previous episode, he mentions that he has a Russian girl. I, actually, it's at the end. Yeah. When they're down in the basement, he mentioned he has a Russian lady caring for his mother. And it is uh, his old Guma's like cousin or sister, yeah. whoever she is. Uh, but yeah, because it's I guess we're just seeing hints of what we would have seen, but they had to speed it up a bit. Got to go a little fast forward instead of rewind like earlier in the episode. Eh? Uh, and, because- yeah, and good old Livia is so repetitive that yeah. some of the lines like he's brings her. I brought you these books on tape and her response is, I wish the Lord would take me now. <laughs> so it's like clearly just cut in from her saying that yeah. previously. Well, and even before that, she's like, why? What happened? Tell me. Uh, like she thinks there's a, some sort of emergency that he won't say. Uh, but yeah, I guess there's fast forwarding because we probably would have seen Tony would have had to put on a happy face and try to be the good son throughout the season just to butter her up so she wouldn't uh, testify against him. But we kind of yeah. have to see an abridged version of that because he does mention it uh, in this scene. And yeah, she she just has to do her like hanky wave, and then he's even has to say like, "Hey, don't wave that hanky at me." He has to <laughs> because they have to yeah. try to connect it the best they can. It's definitely yes. clumsy, <laughs> and I mean we're not at the point we are at now because even now there's still that uncanny valley. Like I don't know if you've seen Rogue One, but they brought uh, Peter Cushing back from the dead in that, and we even got to see uh, before. Carrie Fisher died. We got to see a de-aged version of her CGI person. Um, so, I mean, we're still struggling now. And, I mean, some scenes look really bad. Uh, but, hey, you got to give them credit. It's 18 years ago, 17 years ago, and we're already getting there. Yeah, and apparently it cost $250,000 uh, to do this CGI, yeah. which made me think, like, couldn't you literally just reuse footage somehow? Yeah. <laughs> Cut it together cleverly? Because she does say, like, now look here, I don't like that kind of talk. Uh, stop it. It upsets me. And that's word for word. Like, even with the CGI, I'm like, that connects in my brain where I've heard her literally say exactly those things before. Yep. So I guess it probably wouldn't have worked, but like just use that cut maybe because it didn't, it was really weird. But then again, this was 17 years ago. I would never have noticed probably back then. And I guess the main thing we leave from, from this is that, yeah, Tony's trying to be a little bit in better graces because of this upcoming trial and yet another, another uh example of livia's lack of like love or care because you've got these baby books these grandmother baby books that she hasn't filled out a page on and i love tony's reactions like what the fuck though they're all blank nothing's filled out like he's got a surprise it's almost like surprising that he's surprised by that uh but it's just another example for him to kind of mull over on how uh you know she is the way she is yeah and it's, uh, I don't know, I, 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 <laughs> I'm watching it now. It is sad because it's, uh, it doesn't really work. And it, what actually does work, though, is later when, when he comes in and they just, they're just standing there, his family, and they're like, oh, she's dead. Like, that works. That's a Sopranos moment. And this is sort of like, we had to put this in because it wouldn't have worked. Well, maybe it would have been just as fine, honestly, if they didn't have this scene. I was about to say it wouldn't have worked, but for me, this scene was really weird and threw me off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe if they just started the episode or whatever with that, it could have worked better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess because most of what we're getting from this episode, and again, it's another... 
it's just another heightened version of what some people deal with in real life where it's not quite as devastating when someone dies, someone close to you, whether it be a relative or, you know, parent or whatever, because the whole the whole thing that I'm getting from most of the episode is that Tony is trying to hide the fact that he's not that sad that she died. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you'd still have that even if they didn't have this small almost reunion, because he would still probably be guilty that he would say, you know, she's dead to me. I don't want her name in this house. But then when she actually does die, you could still play with that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. There's definitely an argument to be made on if they needed the bad CGI scenes to set that up or not. Yeah, I mean, I, it makes perfect sense. I, uh, I'm i not saying I would have done it any differently, but those 250000 they could have been spent on, like, <laughs> I don't know, more explosions probably. Maybe. I'm just saying. It's weird because um, that sounds cheap to me for some reason. Even though it's not cheap, I mean, it's a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know what their episode budget is. But maybe it's yeah. just because I'm so used to these, like, $180 million movies being made today. I'm like, ah, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> Flash in the pan. Yeah. yeah, so I'm Swedish. We don't like 250,000 is definitely a whole movie budget <laughs> over here. Um, but yeah, so we move on from that scene and see like interspersed throughout this episode. We have to talk about it. Yes. The public enemy. Yes. Uh, we watched the whole thing for the, for this very purpose. Everyone at home, did you do your homework? Did you watch the public enemy? Did it, Does it give you the context of like... Well, I guess he's watching it in a weird order because he just skips to this part and that part. And yeah, it's fine. Uh, that's how they always do it in the movies. You got to get some movie magic in there. Like, oh, they run on the, down this street, then they're on the other side of town. Hey, it's editing. Um, but yes, uh, the public enemy, the way it's used, it makes a lot of sense to me because they need basically need it to fill in the blanks of his relationship with his mother because yep. he's not saying anything. Um, like he's not, and he's not feeling that much. And she's not in it because she can't be in it, the, the episode, I mean. So it's a really good choice. And especially like David Chase had said, it's one of his favorite movies and a main inspiration for the character of Livia or like making it the opposite of that, basically. Yeah. So it's a really good way to bring in that parallel without saying it too on the nose. Um, so so uh, good good choice. Yeah, I mean, I always liked the use of, even yeah, even though I'd never seen the movie until we just watched it for the podcast. But I always kind of liked the use of it. And I think even kind of now seeing it, like you mentioned it out of order, I'm almost positive like he sees the end. <laughs> like the first thing we see is like the end uh, title. Because I don't think, I think they use that in place of the actual like beginning disclaimer. I could be wrong, but I feel like he first sees the one where oh, it's yeah. like, you know, it's up to us to stop this problem. And that's actually like the very end, uh, from, uh, from what I remember. Um, yeah, but it's it's it's, right. it's a good the obviously artistic license and the reasoning why because we see the way Tony, um, like because Tony's like laughing and kind of enjoying the more gangsterish parts and the like, uh, you know, just just the character being a gangster like Tony, and then it but it gets to obviously more of an emotional climax for Tony by the end. Yeah. And so he goes out and moves the water sprinklers and then he comes in and his whole family's there and they, they tell him what's happened. Um, that, and that's, 
that's when it clicked for me like oh shit it was but it was it was still a shock somehow even though i figured out that it was cgi i don't know why i was thinking like oh that was a weird choice why would they do that uh, uh <laughs> yeah. if but she's dead she well, was dead and yeah and at this point too as well like it, it intercut with it or like just before it meadow does come in she knows something's up and tony's kind of still giving her an attitude like you better keep you better just decide to walk up those stairs um and we did kind of gloss over it but I do like because Tony has the the scene like we we're talking about where he's just basically being racist right to the kid's face, but then when Carmela mm-hmm. comes in, it's not like they give Carmela an out. Like she never says she disagrees with him; she just says, "Let me handle it." So I kind of like yeah. that they leave it like that, where it's not like the other characters are like, "Oh my god, goodness, how could you?" It's more like she's on the same page, but like you're handling this wrong. Let me handle this. Uh, Because then we see some of that because when he's still being Tony to her when she comes in and she's like, Noah's being quiet. What did you say to him? And then Carmela's like, Meadow, can you please come up here? I need to talk to you. Uh, Then, yeah, like we said, he goes out, moves the sprinklers, comes back in and gets the news. And uh, Meadow has that conflict because she's still mad at her dad, but she's still sad her grandmother died and sad for how her dad's feeling about it. And even Tony... Like, I mean, he talks about it later when he's with Melfi, but Gandolfini's playing it great because you can kind of feel everything he's feeling is that you do kind of see there's this weird sense of relief and then kind of a put on of how he feels like he should react. Like, you know, your grandmother loved you. She loved you. uh, She loved you so much or whatever. And there is just this conflicting feeling like, well, this is my mom that died, but also my mom like made my life shitty and uh kind of this is good for me (laughs) yeah um and so they go to the house and have a drink with svetlana uh and she says the titular line goodbye little livia and uh more discussion of these books uh, these journal books that she never touched much to everyone's surprise um and then we get uh, i wanted to say about this next scene with um with Anthony Jr., he's reading the poem, the Robert Frost poem, and that's when I felt like, okay, now it's like, why are you you're putting in another thing? Because it's great when you take a cultural thing, you draw a parallel to what's going on in your own story, yeah. and you're already doing that really great with the public enemy, and then you have to get Robert Frost up in the mix, which is a great poem, and also one of the most used poems in media ever uh, like it's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer it's in every yeah. <laughs> every show and everything and I don't blame people because I, I love that poem it's a great one but I assume it's just because people are forced to read it in high school so then they remember it when they make movies or something uh, because you know it doesn't add that much considering that we're already drawing parallels to another cultural thing and this is just sort of thrown in to give AJ and Meadow a scene I kind of like it though. I mean, I, I I do. I don't really disagree with anything you're saying as far as like the usage and maybe it's a bit on the nose. And they do. It is like it is a way that they just spell it out, but it makes complete sense that they would spell it out because it is almost for the AJs out there watching the show. Uh, we haven't touched on this uh, yet too much, but I think one of the best things about the Sopranos is that. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to say like we're great or whatever, because clear, I'm sure other people have even better. No, they don't. They don't have better insights than the Sopranos than we do. But I'm just saying one of the great things about the Sopranos, you could just watch it as a gangster show and who gives a fuck and be kind of annoyed by episodes like this because 
you want to see the whackings and the, the mafia life and all that. And you don't give a shit about any of this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes they do want to spell that out a bit. And I like, I think it's a good use of the character of AJ. And I guess I just like the moment it gets where he's like kind of spooked by himself and like asks like grandma, like when he's looking out in the, in the empty house, because oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still have moments like that as a grown man where you're in a, the house by yourself and it's dark and you hear something. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck was that? Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I do. Uh, everything you said, though, I, I can't argue against. Uh, like what you're saying is, is also very true. But, Jim, black is death, not white. Yeah, but I thought black was death. What is, this is, oh, so it's a Thanksgiving poem. <laughs> like over the yeah, river I and guess, through the woods. Uh, I guess I like the way you explained it, though, too, that it's kind of doing what the public enemy stuff is doing, but a bit more on Front Street. And it even has a character, like I thought, originally I thought like having a character explain the thing in the thing is a bit over the top. Uh, But then, on the other hand, if you see this scene as them laying it out clearly for the viewers, it's almost like we got a double explanation going on where Meadow's doing to AJ what The Sopranos is doing to us, you know? Yeah. And... I mean, I know I'm like starting to sign pr- sound pretty elitist about how I watch The Sopranos, but I mean, I'm <laughs> well, in, we do have a pod- yeah, we do have a podcast, Jim. So yes, but I'm in some Sopranos groups, and then just even like growing up, you know, when Sopranos was a big deal, like there are people that are like, ah, that Moulinian Noah. Like there are people that you know watch those scenes, and they're like, go Tony, like you're kicking ass, <laughs> dude. I don't want no Moulinian yeah. with my daughter either, and. I mean, it, it, you know, it just is what it is. Some people don't always read into it maybe what you're supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so uh, then we got scenes with uh, Tony calling his sisters. Um, I, I guess actually the, the scene where they have a have a drink with Svetlana is actually later. I got it a bit mixed up. But but anyway, we, there's just a cascade of scenes of to- of people saying the same things to Tony, which is yep. what happens when anyone dies. Yep. You just, you know, you say your condolences and you say this and that. And, and the line they use the most and very effectively in the episode is like, at least she didn't suffer, which is said here and there. And I, I love the way it's said towards the end where Tony's just like, fuck this yeah. and walks out of there because it's just such a pointless nothing thing to say. Which is, it's good because I like that it's not really using that in a way to show that those people are shitty for only saying the same thing. Because it's hard to know what to say to someone when someone close to them died. And then you throw in the fact that everyone knows that Livia Soprano was kind of a shitty person, but no one knows if it's okay to say it. Uh, so yeah, like it, they are empty platitudes, but I don't feel like it's used in a way to make it seem like everyone's dumb for doing it. It's just kind of like, this is hard enough as is, never mind on someone like this. And yeah. And then if you are on the receiving end, that's all that happens. You just hear the same shit and you just kind of get annoyed with it. You like, you understand people are be- trying to be nice. But then it's also like, all right, shut the fuck up. Fuck you. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and Tony just has to do the same thing of like, oh, I have to figure out responses like, yep. oh, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, he says it <laughs> so, so many like, times. What are you going to yes. do, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and then you shrug, and then it's like you wait for someone else to say that she didn't suffer and so on. Um, and, I mean, that's the thing. It's like m- most of the episode is that of like um, – 
fakeness and then when they start like the, everything crashes in the at, at the the wake or whichever it is the reception afterwards uh however you call it um when everything goes to shit um and then it's like after that they still have to like go back to pretending that everything's fine uh again because yep. you gotta so before we get to there there's some bits and pieces where we do get to see uh tony's sisters both of them again and uh <laughs> he has to call up and say you're not coming to your own mother's fucking funeral um and janice i really thought that was her son that she was given like eggs to or whatever but it was her fiance i guess yeah dude so. i love that because i i i think i always just kind of thought the same thing too i never gave it a second thought but then when you realize she's talking about how her son is a street person now mm-hmm. uh that that's just yeah a fiance or a boyfriend or something but it's just this young kid <laughs> that she ended yep. up with it's such a janice thing what a great detail yeah and and i mean she comes back and she's like she's like i'm gonna move into this house now so i'm like what happened to your fiance <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you're not bringing him well it's good um, because it's kind of just another like janice is just always on to the next like that was her the racket she was doing for a little while but this could prove to be more fruitful so this is the better option to go with and a real quick yeah. call out it's just a small detail but I'm i'm always a fan of when aj is hanging out with Tony's crew like by themselves like there's that moment when he had to go to the dance and they were sitting in the limo and there's just a yep. quick shot here where he's watching skateboarding and eating eating ice cream and then like Syl, Polly and Christopher are there and I almost kind of my own fill in the blanks like yeah they showed up to pay their respects but also AJ was getting scared by himself so he needed someone <laughs> there and now he feels better because he's not alone in the house I love it <laughs> yeah it's a good point so we get we get more scenes from um from the movie the public enemy and we get the famous grapefruit and face scene tony's there loving it oh yeah Uh, of course (laughs) um and then uh, you know like i was trying to think since since i was thinking when we were doing it what scenes are they going to use they use the they use the grapefruit in the face they use when you know, the basic mob stuff to set it up when he's like slapping around a guy. Oh, you're gonna take bear from us. Or you're not gonna take it from no one. Yeah. Um. And then him giving money to his mother, and then like a lot of scenes concerning the mother, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We start to see a little bit. Yeah. When he's giving money to his mother, and then the brother comes in and doesn't want it, and uh, of course the grapefruit scene. And yeah, it is nice because it is like this progression. It's just. Tony's very happy watching this movie and then he's kind of happy and then yeah he's in tears uh and yeah so yeah uh you got your sister sobbing Tony can't sleep yeah grapefruit scene oh and then we see a quick shot of the feds who they kind of like it is interesting that they're just hanging out listening to all of this and there's like a quick moment and I believe I read on Wikipedia the guy's reading the internet for dummies (laughs) Uh, I guess another detail. And yeah, he has to tell the other dude like, oh, his mother died last night. And there's almost like a little empathy there. Uh, But then it's also just kind of some juicy gossip they got from listening in on the Soprano family. Yeah, and I mean, they put on their headphones. I think they hear him whistling. Like, that's yeah, part that's of the right. goof of his yeah. is, like, walking down. Because <laughs> he has to put on a front of, like, who, what he's supposed to be feeling. But when no one's around, he doesn't have to do that. But the FBI is always around. So, so anyway, a bunch of mod people show up, and he brings them out. To, he d- doesn't bring them to the basement. Good thinking, Tony. Brings yeah. them to the pool now. Luckily. Because uh, they are discussing luckily. crimes, so it does work oh, out yeah. for him. 
But they're just discussing the hell out of these crimes. I imagine you could just get like a satellite microphone, mm-hmm. like a really directional microphone, like a super long boom, and you could probably pick up on what they're saying through those trees. Um, but yeah, they're apparently these people are like torching each other's trucks. Um, and again, this is like. I guess this is more how mob stuff works, because when you think of mob conflict, you think of, like, rival families going at it. But no, it's just, like, within the mob. It's like, oh, you well, he torched mine, so I torched his. Yeah, and, and it, I, it seems like it's kind of um, a fall-off of what we started to get introduced to at the end of last season, because we we're, we meet Ralphie, Ralph Cifaretto, who's played by Joey Pants, Joey Pantilano, or whatever his name is. You know, he's in The Matrix and some other movies. Um, so now he's this, new, right? Yes, he's new. This is where we first meet Ralphie. But yeah. uh, we learn, basically, that Ralphie's kind of trying to take over Richie's crew. Uh, and right. if we remember, Richie was arguing with Albert's uh, crew over these roots, these new roots that are opening up or whatever it is, because it's always pretty vague on what these specifics are. So it is kind of a weird extension of that. Like they have set it up a little bit, but they don't bother getting into all the specifics. But yeah, they're firebombing each other's trucks and dumpsters. And there's this other guy who runs like the recycle division that's threatening to maybe, uh, you know, open up his yap and, and spill the beans, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We see it later. I mean, the, I mean, basically what one guy threatened to go hand them all in. So Tony's like, well, you deal with that then. Cause that's yeah. more important. I love the line when they pull up on that and like, Hey, remember no fires yeah, when they they're beating the shit out of him. Beat the shit out that's of him. great. Um, so they they go see the funeral director and they don't want a funeral. So, um, <laughs> but then they do. That's that scene, basically. Well, it's great because it's all like uh, it's classic Janice because at first Janice doesn't want to go. And then, you know, she tries to make the excuse of like her, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't be in New Jersey because of what happened. And Tony's like, oh, that's old news by now. It'd be better if you even showed up. This is your own mother. And but then when she shows up, immediately when she shows up, she's uh, crying and can't handle it. And then. When they mentioned that the mom didn't want a service, now Janice is the first to speak up and be like, I don't know if I'm okay with that. And then it like pushes Barb over as well. Now Barb's looking at Tony as well. Like, uh, what, what, what would people say? What should we do? And then it turns into finally Tony being like, fine, you know, do it up. Do the whole thing. Just send me the bill. And now here we are. We're going to have a great big funeral for Livia Soprano. Yes. Or I guess... Yeah, they do have the big funeral. I, I, that that one's barely a scene. The actual funeral because we just get the classic, uh, FBI taking pictures, snapping pics. Uh, the funeral in itself isn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we have the wake beforehand, uh, and I mean I like how just the like in this scene though beforehand with the funeral director, is he, like he is selling, but he even tries to say he's not because he. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird. To me, the way I read it anyway is a weird manipulation of like, so, you know, what did we want to do for Ma? Like, kind of like, like he's a son yeah. too, you know what I mean? Like, like it's our mom. What are we going to do, you know? Yeah, it felt really gross the way it was like, yeah. we brought mom here last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's selling language. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> uh, but uh, it really creeped and, me out. I don't think Tony liked it either. And then when we, I like when they leave because then Janice is like, look, 
Tony, this is not all going to be on you. I'm going to do some artwork for the program and I'm going to make sure I get everyone in the room to all share a memory about Ma. And then even Tony's like, no, we're not going to do that California shit. You know, people want to come and have some gabagool. That's fine. But we'll leave it at that. And of course, you know, Janice is not going to listen as we'll find out later. Yes, and we get a quick scene with Melfi. Uh, there wasn't one last episode, was there? I mean, yeah, no, I we don't were in the so. FBI perspective. So we get back to Melfi, and it's it's a good one. It's uh, short, but you know, it 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 gives him a chance to actually not say the same bullshit over and over because the scene starts with him going like, "What? You're not going to say condolences or whatever?" But then he's like, "Actually, that's great because everyone's saying the same bullshit." And I'm a, and he ta- he gets into. How he feels that he's he must be a bad son if he's what sort of person wishes their parent to be dead? I must be a bad son, and he says that that's the worst thing in the world to be. Mm-hmm. So we get really into his sort of self hatred that is there because um, it's a he says that's a fucking disgusting thing to be, but that's all brought about by his weird twisted relationship that he had with his mother. Uh, so it's a it's a good scene to actually get to lay some of that stuff out and not just have it in the subtext of the episode yes and um it's another opportunity to kind of rebuild the character of melfi after like they destroyed our confidence in her in season two because she just doesn't say anything she just listens and lets tony talk and it's the best thing that she could do like she doesn't say anything even when he's like you know yeah yes no sorry no condolences and she still doesn't give him like even an inch of like okay well you know i am sorry your mother died or something she just sits and stares at him and then he kind of yeah he goes off on his thing i'm glad she's dead you know what i wish she was dead and when i heard she died like relief flooded through my veins and he mentions that he had his trial coming up and of course because melfi also knows you know she's been with tony now for what i guess if we go real time it's coming up on about three years and she's been trying to push him to face some of the realities of uh, the relationship with his mother. But Tony still has that, like anyone would. It's still your parent. It's still your mother. Uh, so I, I think it all plays out really well. And yeah, the way he, you know, your son up in Bard, he, sh- he better be a good son, right? I just love the way he says it because it's just such <laughs> a weird lie. Like, he should be a good son. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, it's just that thing you feel like, am I, yeah, am I a good son? Am I a good mother? Am I a good brother? Whatever it might be. You have this, you know, morality in your head. And if you're against it, you're going to feel bad about it. Yeah, I also loved how the scene ended. Uh, His line at the end is like, so we're probably done here, right? She's dead. Yeah. Like that was he, he was there to talk about his mother. And now he's like, oh, so we're done with this now. And that's not how that works, Tony. Uh, so I'm, I, I believe we will have Melfi appear in at least one more episode before the finale because uh, he probably still has some shit to work out. Um, and uh, so, uh, by the way, yeah, next scene, a uh, quick shot of this capo who yes. uh, is apparently another fucking snitch. We got rats all over the place. Yeah, another. Uh, uh, I had to look it up again because I forgot his name. But yeah, Raymond, uh, Ray Curto. Uh, it's very nonchalantly just introduced that he's also an informant and it's a nice um kind of play against what we went through season two with big pussy of him kind of going back and forth being wishy-washy not not uh, sure where his allegiance should uh, go and this guy's just immediately like should i wear a wire (laughs) and they're like ah yeah Yeah, i guess he offers it yeah he like contacts them to talk and and they're like yeah sure why not why not 
Do you need new batteries? Yeah. And uh, I've seen this guy around. I haven't seen the Ralphie, this new guy. I haven't seen him around. But this guy's been in the show, mm-hmm. I think, since season one. I've seen him here and there. Yeah, and we I'm s- like, you bastard. Yeah, we saw him more in season one because he was like, yeah, when they had those like capo meetings with even like Jimmy yeah. and actually, was it not Jimmy then? It was Raymond the whole time. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they know either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so then uh, Janice, of course, is hammering around in the basement looking for buried gold um, <laughs> in the house. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that's something that's like because they did build that up a bit in season two. I, I don't know if that's going to have like a payoff or if it's just a, a fun goof at this point. Um, but uh, either way. Uh, Tony and her get to have a nice little chat in the basement uh, where, uh, yeah, uh, what are they even talking about here? Well, oh, yeah, she's upset that it's all his stuff that she saved. <laughs> yeah, which is another interesting because, I mean, where we get to by the end of this episode, is, you know, Tony seeing that even uh, Tommy, the public enemy, has a mother that loves him no matter what. And, you know... Tony doesn't have that or even like a chance to have that anymore now that his mother's dead. But then this weird thing of how she did save some of his stuff, like does that mean that there maybe was a chance if he had just worked a little harder to change who she was? I mean, clearly I don't think he could have, but as far as what Tony's thinking. Mm. I don't know. I think it is uh, clear that he was the favorite um, out of the three despite you know despite everything he was the one who was around and and she would spit poison at anyone who was close to her but she still i think desired people to be close to her uh and he was the one who did that he was uh he was the the only one who acted like his her child and who felt this need to satisfy these you know needs that she had of of like i need to put someone down he like willingly made himself uh, someone who could take her abuse for a long time yeah and uh hey that's as good as love if you're olivia soprano very true very true uh then yeah then we're at the actual funeral or no not the funeral the, the wake um yeah and uh jackie we see jackie jr again and he's just kind of oh hey t uh <laughs> sorry and, uh, you know, his mom has to kind of apologize for him. We see kind of like a montage of people. Silvio's annoyed he has to go because it's the Jets opening game. This is bullshit. Furio, Adriana, and Chris are all doing drugs because it's like, hey, anything to get you through these events. Like, it's tough going to a funeral, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, like, I always think of um, how uh, how how uh, they're really, like, falling into these drugs but then furio's there too and i'm kind of like ah, i guess it's fine yeah. <laughs> furio's there so uh you know whatever it's just the standard thing we do around these parts i guess with the drugs but that's a good montage because it really shows like behind the scenes of this fakeness that the whole episode is like we know tony's not really sincere in what he's doing but this is really showing that none of these people are really sincere except probably junior who shows up and is like crying and (laughs) (laughs) talking about how they're dropping like fucking flies man and it's all that charcoal broiled meat nobody told us it was bad but i Uh, and i also (laughs) think but i I, what would there's showing us as well that even junior it's more about him thinking that he's gonna die now 
because everyone from his generation is dropping and it's more i mean i not that i'm saying he's not uh upset that she passed away but from what my understanding of junior soprano is it, it kind of does come back to him as well yeah absolutely um so and he goes and pinches aj's cheek really hard <laughs> yeah. um and tries to talk to carmilla who's having none of it uh, she won't be that fake at least um and uh yeah they have a bit of talk as well about uh about you know the the whole mob business and all the trucks getting set on fire and, and everything and how he says to uh, uh, tony that uh, it, like the economy's good we're in an upswing that's you get all the credit for that you're not even doing anything yeah yeah uh, chinks and housewives are betting football he says yeah. uh, and they he is talking about ralphie in the scene as well saying that ralphie's a good earner and that he you know he should be in line for richie's spot and tony has to point out like three months ago so like he does give a time frame it's been three months basically since season two because he's like three months ago you know you thought uh richie was like next in line like even for I mean, he doesn't specifically say it, but basically, like, even for, you know, Tony's spot, uh, in a way. Um, and then, yeah, then we cut to from that. We see when Ralphie uh, and his crew roll up and beat up the recycling dude because no fires. Yeah, and as far as uh, time frame, Tony also said that for a year I didn't talk to you in the scene with Livia, which yeah. tells us that mm, I guess they consider season two to be one year, which makes me think, okay, a season is a year, more or less. So we're there, like you said. Um, and uh, then uh, there's the actual funeral where they put her in the ground and Svetlana and Janice get into a bit of a, an argument <laughs> about these show tune records uh, where Svetlana's not going to go with any of Janice's bullshit. I'm going to have to respect her wishes. And yeah, well, I, I like that we get the impression that Svetlana is kind of a smarter Janice here. Like yeah. <laughs> she's handling it a little bit uh, better because even just the fact of like, how she wants her out of the house too and it's like well tony said you know i could stay here until we get a house because her fiance has time with his kids or whatever the story is um and it's like oh you know yeah she gives she give the vinyl collection to me i know ask her um and, and actually right before that too uh we do see tony watching the i ain't so tough scene and yeah tony's not he's he's not quite as like happy happily watching the public enemy like he was in the earlier like push a grapefruit in a woman's face scene <laughs> yeah yeah um and then we get an actual flashback um of her of, of of uh livia spilling the beans about what tony did to Artie's restaurant um to sort of and that's a flashback in his mind because we go back into Artie staring into space remembering this remembering what Livia did and they 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 play with this a little bit where like Artie's all upset and he's throwing trash bags around a bit later and he's talking shit to Tony like oh guess it's just you and me who know the secret now but in the grand scheme of things I know it's important to you Artie but like your restaurant wasn't that important and you got a better one now so like calm down also you tried to kill Tony and he didn't kill you in retaliation so maybe chill a bit with all your throwing shit around yeah, it definitely feels like this is more of a remnant of that they wanted to revisit this eventually, like they wanted this to come back, and now that they don't have this character, like this is kind of their last chance to play with it in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, but And it's also just kind of, Artie's always a little pathetic, and it's it's just another person, I guess, 
making it about themselves in a way. Like that's we kind of see this through the whole episode that how someone else is deaf, but everyone's using it in their own like selfish way because now Artie's thinking about how she gave him that information about the restaurant. Yeah, he's having a little, uh, you know, bratty uh, tantrum about it, kind of. And in a way, I guess it's like we're being dismissive of him because it's like we love Tony, so it's like fuck you, Artie. But I, I, <laughs> yeah. I could, I mean, in in reality, even if you end up with an insurance. Like the insurance claim helps you get a new restaurant. There's still a lot of time we weren't there with Artie when he was uncertain and he had his shitty house he had to fix up. And they had uh, what they had the pest control out at the new Vesuvios because they were concerned. So a lot of stress that he had to deal with as far as in his own world. Yes, well, calm down, Artie, I yeah. still say. <laughs> like, or only just because I know you're friends with Tony and you have been all your life, but like, don't. I, I guess it's fine. I mean, it's not a big deal or anything. It's just funny that he he is actually breaking through the fakeness. He's the first to do that, I guess, because yeah. they're both just outside. But it's almost like they build up this veneer of everything being fake, and then he pierces through it, um, which, you know, it, it's an interesting choice anyways. I think it's like you said, they wanted to do something more with it. Um, now, when I figured out, that, well, when when she died, I had to look at the Wikipedia because I was like, okay, so when, when did she actually die? When the when did the episode come out? And that's when I uh, happened to read about Big Pussy's cameo. Did you catch on the it? Trivia. So, so I did. I don't know if I would have caught it or not. Oh, you I read it beforehand. Looked, yeah, dude. Who's yeah, but you I, can't? You gotta wait till the episode's done to look up stuff. Are you serious? What about spoilers, my dude? I had to find out when she died and when the episode came out, and then I had a quick look at the trivia. I didn't look at the plot, I'd, but yes, because I felt like I'd gotten the big the big spoiler that would have been in the episode. Um, but yeah, that was a mistake. I, I'm sure I would have caught it because they hang on it. It's when he opens uh, a cabinet or whatever, and the, yeah. in the mirror, Big Pussy's just standing there. And it's interesting because it's... Like he after that he sort of looks off like he maybe saw something. Yep. But the mirror is on the other side, so it's not like he closes it and there's a flash of him. But I suppose it's like we're in his mind. It's another in really interesting choice they made. Yeah, I, it's weird because I, I'm trying to remember. I don't feel. Let me just put it up real quick. Because it does when you know it's there, it feels like they hang on it forever. Yeah. Uh, and it's so obvious, but I kind of feel like I didn't notice it until I had heard about it or saw something on the internet about it. And now it's just clear as day. Yeah. Tony opens like it's like a cabinet or a bar in the wall and it's a mirror on there and you see, you know, big pussy in the reflection. And then it does cut to, yeah, it cuts to like a wider scene. You know, let me pull it up just so they kind of show that there's no one there and Tony looks, but it's, I, I guess they're showing it's more like, well, I mean, the obvious thing is, uh, yeah, he's still being haunted by killing his friend. Um, so he, not even that Tony would happen to have seen it like we see it. It's more like we're seeing what he's being haunted by or what he's feeling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and it's more a like a specter of death. He wished his own mother to be dead. He wished pussy to be dead i mean he wished he didn't have to kill him too but um but yeah 
I'm sorry, because it would have been a really good uh, sort of sample of is it noticeable or not. And I feel like in today's age with pausing and going back, like I'm almost constantly like if if something catches my eye, I'll just get back and have a look and have a pause. So it would have been different if it was on a TV and it's just going past, and when when it's over, it's over. Like if you watch a well, show like that, it is different. Well, plus, I mean, when you're watching a show, knowing like you're watching it to discuss it, it's probably a little bit yeah. different than like, oh, hey, I'm you know binge watching The Sopranos. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. it is weird. Like it seems like it's so obvious, but I kind of imagine it could easily slip by. Uh, uh, real quick, and before that, I mean, they they do have a quick scene where we show Meadow kind of doing the playing her part and just saying like, Oh, you know, uh, thank you so much for your condolences. Thank you for being here. And Tony's commenting on how her innocence is gone and she's just a, you know, a fake robot like the rest of us. And there's a scene previous to that when they're at the wake and she's looking at Tony talking to the assembly assemblyman and the reverend. And I don't know if she's just thinking like, he's talking to a black guy, but I thought he doesn't like black guys. Like I'm trying to figure out like what the, why they show that because she's like watching him in a weird way uh so i don't know what's your read on that i did i i the the look she gave i can't remember but i did think of like oh these characters are here Uh, although have we seen the assemblyman before is that someone who's been around we maybe haven't seen maybe we saw him once i'm trying to remember i feel like he's vaguely familiar uh i mean obviously the reverend had that episode where his I mean, they even directly referenced it, I believe. Like, you know, we talked about how this day may come because his father passed away in the episode he was in. Yeah, I just took it as sort of him, like, or or this wake being used more for, like, connections mm-hmm. than it's being used for mourning. Like, that's how I saw that. But it was interesting that to have those characters just pop in and shake hands. And I honestly didn't even think of... Like, I'd forgotten about Noah at this point. Like, I forgot about yeah. everything before <laughs> Livia passed away. So yeah. I wasn't thinking so much about uh, Meadow's point of view. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, either way, it kind of connects because it's like she's watching Tony and then later Tony's watching her, but then she catches his eye and kind of gives him gives him those uh, Manson lamps uh, of hers <laughs> because, <laughs> yes. you know, she's still upset with her dad, even with everything going on. And one of the moments I really like going on around all this between the the meadow scene and then the big pussy haunting Tony is we have that scene where Hesh is telling a joke and then everyone starts laughing and then Tony comes up and they all kind of stop. And then we even see Rosalie telling a joke in the kitchen as well. And I've talked about this in the past on on my show, Jim and Them, because I remember going to my grandparents' funerals uh, years ago. And they were kind of the first funerals... I went to where I was like more like aware of what's going on. Cause I think when I was like real young, maybe I went to like one of my other grandparents funerals or something, but you're just a kid. You don't know what's going on. But when I went more as an adult, there were these moments where like we're, my grandparents were in the wake and you know, we're just sitting in this room with an open casket and then people are coming in and it's, you know, you've seen it in movies. Maybe you've done it in real life. It, it is kind of that people come in, they shake your hand. They say, sorry for your loss. You go through the whole rigmarole. But when you're there the whole time, there would be moments where like sud- like everything's quiet and then it's kind of like some murmurs as people start talking to people next to them and then it gets a little louder, a little louder as you start just conversing. And then almost to the yeah. point where, yeah, it's like a party, like not quite a party, but 
the sound of a party because now everyone's openly talking and you're talking to the group because your family or your friends. And then there'll be a moment where you kind of have a realization like, oh, wait, this is awake. And then it hushes down again. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later it starts up again it's like <laughs> 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 oh, no, yeah that's what I said <laughs> oh oh shit yeah. it's awake so I kind of love those little details and even going back to the detail early in the episode when Tony drives up to his mother's house and the ambulance pulls away and then he's watching the ambulance because such a big deal to him and then there are people yeah. just like walking their dogs or just out in a bout for like a leisurely stroll and it's that I love that take on how to someone a big thing just happened, but to everyone else, it's like, oh, an ambulance just drove by. And uh, I mean, I can relate a lot to that, especially like not to get too personal, but my mother passed away earlier this year, like only like three months ago or or whatever. So it's fairly fresh. And there's there is that like when you're walking around and like a big fucking thing just happened to you. But to everyone else, it's like, nah, I'm getting gas, you know? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. how the fuck are you getting gas right now? I don't you understand what just happened? Um, yeah. So I love those little touches, and you have to feel like it shows great writing. And, and probably, I mean, whether it be David Chase or other people in the writers, writer's room, there's uh, authenticity there where, you know, people have been through these events, and you kind of pick up these little moments, and you put it in there. Yeah. And I, I've had, or I have my quibbles with this episode, uh, especially like the early parts of the episode. It sort of feels a bit weird and dreamlike, like it doesn't center me enough. It doesn't like feel real at the start. But then those moments you're describing are so real. Yeah. Um, and in general, the way it's directed and edited, it is disjointed at times. It doesn't have the sure hand that we're sort of used to, in my opinion. There's several shots, I think, where they visibly like slowed it down for one reason or another for the edit. At least that's how I'm not sure I didn't look into it or anything, but like it just felt like the frame rate was different because they're cutting in a weird way. And then some cuts are really fast and some are really slow, uh, not in the way they would usually do it. But those things you mentioned bring the episode up. And then the next scene that we're going to get into the big scene in the when Janice brings everyone in is such a great scene. It's It's so so amazing. That's like a play like just have that as <laughs> as an episode with with all the different aspects with the line from the beginning of the rambling that starts out as like oh this seems so deep and then it's like oh he's really high that's great and just the way Janice is directing the conversation where no one wants to get pointed out it's like the teacher pointing at you to give the assignment and then the camera even does like whoosh, like <laughs> whoosh over to to the person she's pointing out and no one really wants to talk and it's all this awkwardness throughout the episode uh and the way it's t- the tension even builds and then it finally cracks and crashes um such a great scene yeah and going back to like some of the disjointed stuff like you're mentioning and i and i completely agree I have to wonder, and again, I, I don't know if David Chase or if they've talked about this at all, but I have to wonder if some of those things were just in place that they already wanted to do. Like, they wanted to touch on Tony's racism. They obviously, I mean, obviously this garbage war was always going to be a thing. And then it was just when they had to kind of pull an audible and figure out what they wanted to do with the Livia Soprano. Like, it almost was a real, I mean, there was a real person that died. But the way it just threw like a monkey wrench into your plan. So yeah. you kept some other things. You're like, all right, well, we could still leave this here and kind of have it play out. But then we'll throw in this. 
I mean, it's all speculation, but I, I have to wonder what was already in place that they just decided to keep there and then add all this new stuff. But you're right. When it builds to this crescendo, it's so perfect, and it's such a great blend of what we've been discussing over season one and two of how well they can handle comedy on this show because, I mean, it's obviously dark humor, but it's played so perfect, and but it feels grounded and real in a lot of ways too because, yeah, like it is – like being called on by the teacher and you don't want to be called on. Cause it's like, Oh no, don't ask me. Like she calls hash first and Hesh just has to say like, you know, she didn't mince words. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I could say, like, you, you know, she, she didn't have, I forget his exact phrasing, but you know, something between the, the, the mind and the mouth or whatever he says. And then she calls on AJ and he's like, I, I don't know. And AJ's kind of being the, the realist there. Because he's yeah. so dumb anyway, so he doesn't know how to be anything else. And Carmilla has to be like, leave him alone, Janice. And this is exactly what Tony didn't want. Uh, but here we are. We're stuck in it. Um, and, yeah, it plays and, out and then so it, there's perfectly. A, there's a voice that's just like, she was oh. my best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the way they show it visually is so great of everyone sort of leaning in and then, like, Furio has to, like, huh, what, turn around? <laughs> and it's just revealed. That's good visual storytelling. Ah, oh, it's so good because, uh, yeah, it's it's almost like no one knew that person. I mean, no one knew the person was in the room. And they're even just people are just blatantly standing in front of her. Like, so she, can't, she all she sees are these people's backs. She's in a corner. Uh, and then even it's weird because there's that moment and it's clearly a joke. But again, I'm, I'm a member of these, you know, Facebook groups and stuff, which some people add, you know, great insight and there's a lot of good discussion. But a common thing I see are people ask the question, who is that guy behind Tony on the stairs? Um, and it's like, don't you get that's the joke is that a guy like was up there going to the bathroom or something and he came downstairs and saw what was going on. He's like, fuck this and goes back upstairs. But some people are like, oh, it must have been an extra that messed up and they left it in. It's like, no, that's clearly just a good joke. That's just a good scene. And yeah, like another visual gag to throw in to kind of heighten the awkwardness and how everyone's aware of this dumb situation they're stuck in. Um, but it's weird that people want to look for meaning. They want to think it's like some character that we don't know or, uh, an ac- a happy accident that they decided to keep into the scene, but no, it's just a funny goof. And especially, yeah, I, th- uh, I was just, one last thing. I was just, yeah, go ahead. where things kind of got into, you know, a few years later, uh, where awkward humor, like the office and stuff like that became so big, but the Sopranos yeah. just nailing it already. I think uh, I was just going to add, I th- think that might be because if i'm remembering it right he's out of focus yeah because uh, that makes it feel like like the the eye of the eye of the, the of the audience doesn't focus in on it so then it's not intentional but that's makes it better <laughs> yeah it's what it, it's exactly like you said I, I did think first like wait what was that but then like you said it's clearly just like I don't want to be like fuck this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I guess I'll go number two. I went number one. I could go two. Uh, just heading back to the bathroom. And um, uh, what you mentioned about AJ is interesting because it may when when Tony was talking about Meadow saying that she's become like a robot. It's very clear that AJ's not at that point, which is why he's so pure <laughs> yeah he's still innocent yeah. he still is like what is this a thanksgiving song which puts these previous scene into a bit more context 
Um, yeah, and then going back to the even, it's even great too because the lady that's like, she was my best friend, and her reasoning is like, if anyone got sick or died, I could always <laughs> I could always count on her to call me up uh, and let me know. And then, uh, no, it couldn't be. I was almost gonna say, is that the lady she ran over? But no, I don't think it was. Uh, that would have been a great little detail <laughs> <Was> if it <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but was it though? I'm not sure. Been. I mean, maybe I'd have to double check. Um, and if so, is that why she's in a wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my gosh what if it is but uh but yeah but at the same time it's nice because all these people are in this mob story and then this character it's like they're revealing a side of livia that we weren't privy to but then also it's like you said it's like she would always call if someone died (laughs) like it's not the greatest reason but still it's like something more to this character that we weren't aware of and it's a bit sad yeah and i even love um Janice's thing what she's like as you all are aware I'm quite a visual artist and you know my mother she wouldn't let me rest on those laurels and then it just her the end of her story is that she's the reason why I make videos today and (laughs) it's like I know in I think one of her first episodes when she leaves the party early it's because of a video with a guy yeah and that's the only other time I remember that coming up and I just love that I, I but I also believe Janice that she thinks no, she makes videos. Like that's her gig. She doesn't work at that car shop or whatever it was with her like twenty-year-old fiance that we see earlier in the episode. She's a videographer. She's an artist, and it's great because anytime we see her, there's never anything like that because she's just that type of person that would portray that to everyone else and even believe it on the inside. But really, she's just kind of a small-time schemer uh, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, so uh, you, you relate to Janice yeah. in this? I relate to Janice <laughs> oh, in this. I make videos. Yeah, like, too. it's such a 2018 thing to say as well. Like, yeah. oh, that's why I make videos. I'm like, oh, my God, this could so be today, except even more so, because everyone makes videos. Absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, it does come to that kind of full circle moment where then finally someone and i'm not even sure what character she carmilla is. it's carmilla who who actually breaks it all and is like what a uh, crock of shit well, i mean before um, that when just the random lady goes well she didn't suffer for that uh, we could yeah. be grateful and that's when, like tony just is like fuck this and he yeah, gets yeah. the hell out of there and christopher starts going off i love how the christopher moment starts with him talking about no people can be exactly the same and then we cut to outside when Artie uh, has his breakdown with Tony and talks about how he has a story he should go in there and tell. And then when we cut back, Christopher is still going on about how there could be another Livia Soprano. And yes, you're right. Then when Artie's about to kind of come in with his truth, Carmilla breaks it up in a perfect way. Yeah, and they show, like, I guess it makes sense because they show a lot of shots previous to this where she's just emptying her glass over and <laughs> over. I, it's almost comical how many times they cut to that. Yeah. Like it, like you would cut to, like, a reaction shot or whatever. She's just drinking all the time to get her to this point. Uh, but, yeah, she just starts going off over how, how dysfunctional she was and how she didn't spread any cheer. And then her parents get into it as well like her mother actually says be quiet but then her father gets up and starts talking about how oh i speak if i want who are you <laughs> yeah we're the ministry, ministry of, of propaganda, propaganda. yeah <laughs> we suffered for years under the yoke of that woman <laughs> well it's great because no, did... no one's like these people are being unreasonable they're yeah. like yeah that sounds right and because and we do know that basically they didn't show up until the second season because they wouldn't come around uh until Livia was out of the picture 
And it is, yeah, it's it's a nice moment because Carmilla's finally uh, coming clean. And it would make sense even her mother just wants to keep things polite because it's someone's funeral. So uh, you'd kind of think it's not the time or place. But, yeah, I love how her father comes in. And then Carmilla has to point out, like, you know, from beyond the grave even, this woman, you know, has this control. And especially how her her kids, they ignored her wishes to not have a service because she didn't think anyone would come. She knew there was a problem. Uh, it's such a great way to kind of spell everything out at the end and kind of through this awkwardness and through this standard routine of having a funeral, a wake, a reception, whatever it might be. And then we get to this like truthful moment where, yeah, no one's going to argue it because everyone knows it's true. Yeah. And then all Artie has to say after that is that there's dessert in the <laughs> dining room if you want. So, And his wife is like, and the dessert is all from our restaurant, which you can visit any day of the week, basically, yeah. <laughs> making it a bit of an advertisement. Our new pastry chef. Yes. And the episode ends with, is it, yeah, the ending, the ending of um, Public, Public Enemy. Enemy. Yep. Yeah. Tony's watching the end and... I think they do play a little bit with some of the edit, um, I think. I mean, maybe I'm just remembering it wrong, where they kind of have a few more cuts to the mother intercut with the uh, the death of uh, Tommy. And to me, like now seeing it and everything and kind of knowing what they're going for, I mean, maybe I always knew this, but it just seemed more spelled out in my head now, is that, I mean, clearly Tony's seeing a mother that he never had um, even to someone who's like as bad as him. And it, it, it's got a nice connection with the, like, I ain't so tough. Like it would almost be so on the nose if Tony just did say that out loud as he's watching it. (laughs) But it's like, you know, Tony starts crying because it's not even so much that his mother died. It's just that the fact that she died means there is no chance of that ever happening because it does seem like Tony always was fighting that fight. Like he could make things right. He could somehow fix his mother or fix their relationship. Uh, But now it's like that. Now it's a no go. Uh, There's, there's, there's not even that sliver of opportunity that was there in the past, even when he wasn't talking to her. Uh, But I think it all works. I think it's a, I think it's a nice use of the film throughout the episode and a nice way to finally get Tony to have uh, shed a few tears uh, over what happened. It is sort it is a shame that this is how it played out at the same time. I was ready for Livia to die at the end of season one. Like mm-hmm. I was ready for him to go, I guess not quite go nuts with a pillow. And if we want to make another connection here, the mother in oh, <laughs> the yeah. public enemy is, it was like, is changing the, the pillowcases. Uh, and he was going to suffocate his own mother with a pillow. Yeah. What I a don't great think detail. He's thinking about that, but yeah. yeah. What a great detail. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but uh, I was kind of ready for it then. I was ready for the show to move on to bigger and other things. Um, I mean, but that sounds weird. But but it, it's like it's felt a bit like these two episodes were clearing the chessboard a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like obviously we're losing a big piece with Livia, but also in general uh, the first episode like resetting a lot. It feels like it makes sense that they would broadcast these two episodes together because. Uh, and me not knowing what's going to happen, I think whatever season three is going to be, we're not we're going to find out next episode, or we're going to you know, get started properly next episode. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like that either way, and 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 I mean I'm not going to say anything either way, but yeah, I, I feel like it does. 
especially knowing that they aired together, it, it makes perfect sense. It is a weird, like, setting up something a little bit new, clearing things, and all right, here we go. Now we can get going with here's season three. We've kind of fixed some of our baggage, and now it's like we're off to the races. Yeah, just like you and me, Jim, on our rewatch of season three, or watch in my case. Um, send in your thoughts on season three on this episode. Did you see? Uh, did you see Big Pussy in the Mirror? Uh, uh, did you see it the first time? The second time? Did you have any idea what we were talking about? Send an email to shows what you know show at gmail dot com, uh, and we'll we'll get into it on the podcast. Uh, you can also, of course, go to youtube dot com slash shows what you know for our live streams, which uh, happen on Sundays and you can also check out showswhatyouknow.com for all of our podcast feeds and subscribe please do leave a review on iTunes we very much appreciate it a star review a five star review is fine even better if you put in five stars and then you write a little comment about what what you like about the show what would you like to see more of we really take that into consideration a lot more than anything else so if you want to affect anything on the show please leave it in an iTunes review yes yes and you said the email right yeah, I said yeah. the email shows what you know show at gmail.com. Yeah. So yeah, all kinds of good stuff. And of course you can find more of us. You can find more of Jacob at awesomepedia.org and you can find more from me at jimandthem.com. I thank you, dear listener. Let's continue this season three ride. Absolutely. And there's just one thing before that. Oh, what's that? Cut to black. <laughs>